The warm evening is enveloping. The sun has set a few hours ago and voices are heard from the backyard. The gate opens and a table full of guests presents itself. Glasses glimmer in the candlelight, liquid swooshing as they are brought up for toasts. Plates and bowls are passed from hand to hand as the smell of meats, smoked cheeses, cilantro, cumin and cinnamon fill the air. Conversations are flowing, swelling from a soft buzz into loud laughter. An empty chair stands by one of the hostesses. Come, sit down, enjoy the taste and flavors, and listen in. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the party. Let me introduce you to Alonza Guevara. Alonza is a painter born in Chile, and she spent her childhood in the Ecuadorian jungle. She's been living and working in New York for 10 years now. Come, let's talk to her. So my name is Alonza Guevara, and uh, I'm a visual artist. I do mostly paintings, uh, oil paintings, also acrylic, but oil paintings, and also sculptures, drawings, uh, installations. I'm uh, originally from Chile, and I've been in the United States for now 10 years, almost, yeah. Great. Can you talk a little bit more about your background and what led you to become an artist? Yeah, um, as I said, well, I was born in Chile. I lived there for about five years. When I was five, I moved to Ecuador, uh, where my my parents, my whole family, we moved to Ecuador. And uh, I lived there for seven years. And I came back afterwards to Chile. And um, my grandmother from my dad's side, she's uh, an artist. And um, she's uh, like an amazing uh, person, also very creative. She does drawings, sculptures. She introduced me to art like in, in that in that way she even like taught me how to do like how to stretch my own canvases since very little I started oil painting when I was 12 but also the fact of living you know well in Chile and also in Ecuador where we didn't have that much technology or so many like people around um, I learned how to entertain myself a lot and art was one of those things that I would do to not be bored but yeah since always I was I was very creative building my own little doll houses drawing dolls to play with with like in paper and then I started painting you know with uh, acrylics and tempera maybe earlier than 12 but but more like a strictly more organized and with techniques when I was 12 and then I decided afterwards I think maybe at 15 I already knew that I wanted to be an artist I loved it so much and I just knew that when you decide like a career or to have a job that you had to do it for the rest of your life, kind of. So I was like, well, this is the one thing that I can do forever and I will not get tired of it. So I can see that you definitely have a very strong work ethic. You know, it seems like you are like obsessed with painting. <laughs> I am. I am. I love, I paint almost every day. Like recently I haven't been able to do it so much because I've been doing a road trip and um, I have a baby. But anyways, I have shows going on anyways. And yeah, for me, painting is really like, um, it's part of my personality my identity I would say like I've been painting since I have that memory of like who I really am now so it's really part of my identity and um, it makes me a better person or when I don't paint so much or I don't I'm not I'm not creating inventing something I feel like something inside of me gets drier you know mm-hmm 
yeah, I think that's like a common thing with artists, you know, because it's just such an outlet and it's like therapy, you know. Definitely, yeah, I feel that way. Um, you mentioned since having a baby, it's changed your practice. Has becoming a mother added a new dimension to the things that you are planning to make and has it inspired you at all? Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my work is, it's very, I mean, my, my work is about many things. It's about life, about the things that I've lived, the things I remember, things that I've learned. I create this kind of imaginary world. I open this world to other people, things that come to my head. And um, they always have a connection with reality. My paintings have a realistic factor. Like people can totally relate to them. And they are about the connection of us humans with nature. And at the same time, I talk a lot about identity and especially like female identity and all the, the things that we go through, for, well, fertility, the cycle of life. So I've been working a lot of, with uh, imagery of like women breastfeeding or women being pregnant or connecting them with nature and fruits and flowers and all these seeds and life and now that i have a baby i can totally relate to that those bodies of work in a very different way because before it was kind of like an admiration and beauty of it and how i saw it as a as like a goal also for myself and just like from the outside right but now that i am a mother i see how amazing and how it's like a life-changing experience for the best for the worst in, in you know how life is that's how it is you know like we are in love with this little baby and at the same time we're so afraid it has been very inspiring also because not only like metaphorically and about the ideas but also because my life has changed so much I don't have that much time and uh, I have to be a lot more you know like no procrastination allowed like I have this hour to have to work I've always been a very hard worker and very organized and methodic but uh, now it's like has to be even more and um, I have a lot of more ideas like things that I always wanted to do before but I always thought like well I can keep doing this this and then I will get to that point later but now I've been thinking a lot more of those goals that I've always had that maybe I've been a little afraid of doing it because you know I paint this kind of work and maybe those other ones are not so similar to the things I do now so having a baby now is making me think a lot more to just like cut the steps that I wanted to have in the middle and just go for it now and to explain a little bit more about that what i mean by that i've been always since very young very creative i love to invent things and worlds and uh, imaginary things so my paintings right now they are a mix of magic and, re and realism like i could say like it's magic realist paintings maybe but i would love to explore a lot more that magic area to let just my imagination go for it even though maybe the paintings will not look so realistic and maybe will look more deformed or I don't know, the muscles are not in right in the right area and more loose and more openness. And I'm sure that the strength of my work is besides the fact like the painting and all the, the love that I put in there, but the strength of it is that world that I'm building more than the fact that they are so realistic or they can look like a photo because that's not important for me. So I would love to go more into that yeah, path. That's so interesting because we both have had an academy background and they drill mm -hmm. that realism into you and also being anatomically correct. And I think it's great to be able to do that, but I think it's also really freeing to just throw that out the window and see what else comes through, you know? 
exactly and and i'm not saying that 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 is better than painting realistically i love that and i that's why i'm i paint the way i do because it gives me so much and i have learned so much by like having photo references next to me so i can like look at them and understand the light or having live models because the same like i can see how the space is built with something in front of my eyes and then recreate it but that's a, a very a good practice that i've had until now that i have all the skill sets and all that understanding of how paint works and how light and volume works so i can use all those tools to put them in this new body of work and i also love the fact that um that we can all be free and do whatever we want i mean that's how art should be when art becomes like a product because you are well known for this kind of body of work and you keep making the same over and over we start drying it from the inside i guess and um i don't think that's good for anybody and i definitely i don't want to be that kind of artist if i keep making the same work over and over it's going to be because i love to make that and because i have to keep doing it for some reason for myself but not for creating a product so that's why i also have a lot of bodies of work if, if you go to my website i have a lot of different series of works each of them gives me something different so i hope it gives you something different to the viewers too. I was looking back and uh, you did a series on paper girls that I found to be really compelling. Yeah, I work on those for a lot of years and I learned so much and I still think about them and one day maybe I will make a new one, something that I always carry with me. Have you tried painting out of your imagination? Is that sort of what the direction that you're thinking of going in? Yes, I, I do. I paint out of my imagination a lot something not fully imagination i always have like live references or photo references it would be like a lie for me to say and for everybody to say it's out of your imagination because it's really out of our memories right i mean we imagine things of course but at the same time we have memories so whenever for example my paintings the series of work that is called alumbrados por la misma luna it's a in Spanish word uh, for uh, lit by the same moon. It's one of my last bodies of works. Those paintings are a lot out of my memories. Like the plants that I make in there, the spaces are completely made up. But I would use photo references to make a self-portrait or a mirror or some things that I wanted to get that feeling of reality, I would use photo references. But the spaces are created completely out of my of my head and uh, the light as well because as you know making a painting or taking a photo in the dark with only a, a moonlight is very difficult so I don't have photos for that so everything is kind of a it was very challenging and I really like that I can see that and those paintings really do have a sort of like mystical psychological landscape quality to them they remind me a lot of um, Rousseau's paintings Henri, Henri Rousseau Yes, Henry Rousseau. I, the, he's one of my references. I love his work. And it relates so much to me, his work also, because it's crazy because he never was in the jungle in his whole life. He was only going to botanical gardens and the parks. He'd never lived there. And for him to create these works that are very kind of like imaginary, you can tell that it's a made up world because he never was there. And it's very inspiring for me to those paintings also, because I would love to just bring back those memories maybe not use so much photo references but create worlds like that and but this time like in the light in the daylight instead of at night so I would like to do that and even though even the aesthetic of my work changes because probably it will because if I'm not looking at a photo it will look more not cartoonish but the, but you know more maybe more painterly and more I don't know like not so realistic not as a photo or anything like that so 
it'll be interesting to see what comes through. You know, maybe without a photo reference, there's even more of like a true sense of like you in the painting. You know what I mean? Definitely, yes, I think so. Because if you think about it, we only have—I mean, I—I have some memories of the specific things, and then the way that we conceptualize stuff and put it in the painting, there are patterns. So the ways that I paint leaves are going to be my way of painting leaves, or how I remember painting them. And then in the next painting, they will come out again in the same way. But if I'm looking at a photo, I can make a thousand leaves because I will have them in front of me. So you know, so I think that is going to be a very beautiful thing to bring out there, and also just to make—I don't know your brain work in a different way and make the pain do the job more. It's also very challenging when you have an idea in your head and you're trying to paint it. It does never come out like that. It's like when you have a dream and you have a very vivid dream and then you're telling it to someone else and it's totally different. The words that come out of your mouth is like you're making up a different story because it wasn't really that. I think that's a, a beautiful thing that I would love to experiment with now. Yeah, I love that idea. That's a really awesome direction, I think, especially for mm. you. Know. You mentioned magical realism. I think that's a great term to describe your work. And have you read any of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's works? Yeah, definitely. He's a Colombian uh, writer. I love his novels, all his books, the long ones and the short ones. He's actually one of the writers that, um, I don't know if for you guys here in the United States, but in at least in South, in almost South, all South American Ecuador as well, it's like a request, like you have to read his books in school. So I'm very lucky that to have read a lot of his uh, stories. They are beautiful and uh, so compelling and inspiring. So another writer that I admire a lot is a Chilean writer. Her name is Isabel. Allende. She's also a magic realist uh, writer. Her work relates a little bit more to my work, not only because we're Chilean both and she has a lot of, you know, the story about our countries that in, inside there, but she also lives in New York. A lot of her books talk a lot about the jungle and living the connection with nature and animals as like a spiritual being that protects you. It's, it's really beautiful. A lot of her books are just amazing. Literature also inspires me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I grew up, I read a lot. I stumbled onto one of Marquez's works. And mm -hmm. I think the first one I read was, it was called Of Love and Other Demons. Mm -hmm. It's not a really popular one, but yeah, it has a really, yeah, it has a really interesting story. He takes real history and he sort of like spun it into a story. And from what I remember, there was a true story about they found the remains of this young girl. Forget all the details, but yeah, it's a lot of detail. She had this really long red hair and everyone was like, why, why did she have this really long red hair? So he wrote a story about all of that. And it was just like, I love the magic of all of that. It's funny because uh, that now that you mentioned that, because I never read that book in particular, but I remember two different friends have told me, you should read that book. The character has long red hair, just like you. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a sign that you should. Um, yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I read it in high school. It was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, he also has very good, like, he describes everything so well. All his books are very descriptive. Every object, feelings, is it's beautiful that way. Like, you feel like you're really watching a, a movie in your own head. There is a lot of rooms for details there. Also, well, I'm talking about books. A lot of the times I... When I paint, I um, I, well, I have to like concentrate and know where things go and figure out the palette and everything. But then when I'm like in the flow, when I'm like letting just the paint do its own thing, I listen to audiobooks. Like for example, Isabel Allende's books, I will listen to them and I 
while I'm painting. And then every time I look at that painting again, each part reminds me of some part of the story. It's like really weird because I have my own thoughts also at the same time when I'm painting and listening to this. I'm, I'm like, like multitasking. And uh, it's really, uh, I don't know, like a very otherworldly situation when you are like, your mind is in the present, but in the painting. And then each scene of the book that is being narrated to you is also in the painting as well. So yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. I wanted to ask you also, mm -hmm. since we're doing this show for Hispanic Heritage Month, are there any other Hispanic artists who have inspired you? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I studied art in Chile. My undergrad was Latin American artists in general, also a lot of more like well-known artists. But there is a couple. Well, I studied with Gonzalo Cienfuegos. He's a Chilean painter. His paintings are also in the that area of like magic realism, I would say. He does these beautiful worlds with the specific characters with these kind of similar faces. And they are all like in between indoors and outdoors with animals. Really beautiful. His work, I really love. Cecilia Vicuña is also a Chilean artist. She's really well known. Gonzalo Zufuegos, maybe just in, as a Latin American painter, but Cecilia Vicuña is really well known. She had a, a show, I think in 2018, here in the Brooklyn Museum also in Chelsea in uh, the gallery that that represents her work so she lives in New York who else I mean also well the the female surrealist the Mexican surrealist Remedios Varo Eleonora Carrington I love her work also very magical and the mix between nature and humans I, I love of course Frida Kahlo has been like a reference since always it's like the only female artist I knew since I was born kind of so yeah, um, not only, I mean, Frida's got to be the most popular female artist and the most popular Hispanic artist, you know? Yes. So always she was an example an example for me since very young. But um, uh, Dorothea Tanning also, Marisol, her sculptures are beautiful. And actually I learned about her when I moved here in New York. I went to the Museo del Barrio in Uptown yeah. in uh, New York and she had a, a show there. I think she recently died, maybe it was like 2014 or something. I don't really, I'm not sure. But yeah, it was a couple of years ago, maybe two years after she died, that uh, that they did this retrospective of her work. She's a Venezuelan artist. Roberto Mata, I always admire his work. He's a Chilean painter also. He's an abstract painter. And also a lot of contemporary artists, I guess, that I have met here. But yeah, of course, I always have Latin American artists as a reference as well. I feel like there's always so much spirituality in Latin American art, you know? I mean, I guess you could say that about European art, but I feel like there's just another dimension, like you're talking about, just that magical realism and sort of like mystical aspect of that. From my travels, I've always felt it, like when I was in Mexico, like you're just driving down the road and there's almost this like mystical presence there somehow. It's I never thought about it that, that way, actually. So, um, but it's true. I mean, we have, there in, in, particularly in Mexico, I don't know if it has to do maybe with people being religious. I doubt it because I am not religious in any way. I just feel like I'm a spiritual in a different, different way. And I think also the fact of being more connected with nature, it shows you something like, you know, you, you connect with nature in a way that you realize that we are just something so tiny and everything else is is the rest of things. So I feel like that that's maybe something that Latin American people have more, but I'm not sure. I, I've seen it in other people as well, but, but I think you're right. I can definitely see that. And almost all the artists that I named, they have that factor of um, spirituality and more mystical works. 
Yeah, it's just my observation as an outsider, yeah. I guess. And um, yeah. I would visit my friend Paloma, and they would have a little altar in their home mm -hmm. um, where they'd light candles. And, you know, when you drive down the street, there's altars and just different things. Yeah. Maybe also it has to do with, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of us, like for me that I'm from the South, from Chile, we come from the Incas, right? That And we are so, you know, we learn about them. And, the, and still the culture has that, kind of connection with the Pachamama that is the goddess of the earth and a lot of rituals are related with that like when the harvesting starts there is something that you do to thank the earth you know and then still we're connected with that the same with um, the Mayas and the Aztecas that are they have all these cultures have that relationship with the earth in a way to thank them and that's where we come from in a way so maybe that still is there we live in between this life where it's like the sky the world of the sky the world of the of all the heavens and the world of underground and i guess maybe that's something that shows through the work in one way or another yeah definitely and talking about ritual we just did a, a podcast episode about artist routines and rituals and i was curious to know like do you think of your painting process as, as sort of like a ritual as well is there some kind of ritual in the way you paint I don't know if like a ritual exactly, but uh, definitely, yeah, making art is a ritual. The whole the whole day I have to, in my case, I'm very organized. So I know the schedule when I'm going to start painting and when I'm going to stop painting, how I'm going to start like putting the palette, the colors in the palette, staring at the painting, where am I going to start? And then like, you know, where the things go kind of. And then when you start painting, I always hope for my mind to go to that zone where I feel so comfortable where like really it's like magic happening you just paint and then all of a sudden two hours pass and you're looking at this and it's, and it's like oh this is awesome <laughs> you know sometimes it's not awesome sometimes it's terrible but it's something that happens you know it just happens of course before when I was learning a lot more that didn't happen so much it was like more like struggling and struggling but now it, it's very different and both things are beautiful because the struggling also is like entertainment you're learning you're experimenting you're reacting but yeah I do think of it as a, as a ritual and in a lot of times also I see my paintings when I'm done and I look at them and they come out in a way that I didn't expect and they give me something mm -hmm. I always say this like I feel like in the process of painting I always let go of something and the painting brings back something you know like I lose something and, and receive something else and I say that in both like metaphorically but also like more physically as well like there is something that you let go your painting and then it's like oh this sucks but you know what it's ah, you have to just accept that this is fine maybe it will be better and something else in the painting will make that work I always feel like with painting that and that's something very healing as well so that's why I was saying before that for me painting is a kind of like a, a remedy for a lot of things I recommend making art to everyone even people that have never done it before that's the best I love teaching and I do teach art to people that have never touched a brush and to people that are like professional artists I do mentorships just to talk about their art and critiques and everything and it's so beautiful to see how really it's like a, at the end it converts to like a therapy almost I feel like I'm an art therapist <laughs> even though like I don't know anything about art literally art therapy but your work really brings you so much like making art with your hands and figuring things out make, brings you so much yeah I think it's something that you do and you're you've probably always done and you're just used to it you know you don't think about it that way yeah definitely is there any any advice you would give to artists who are starting out 
Yes, there is a lot of things I could say. First of all, I think that when we start, I feel like I just started also, like the time has like has gone so fast since I began painting. So I can really remember a lot of the things. I think that first of all, everyone that is making art right now, starting to make art, you need to think that this is a job. It's like not a, literally a job, but it's your work, right? So you have to put effort to make it happen and paint or sculpt or draw whatever as much as you can. And when I said that, I know how difficult it is because we are artists and we want to make that happen and, and keep working, hopefully make money out of our work as well a lot of the time that doesn't happen so you have to get another job a real job to compensate and to leave so i think that it's very important that whatever job you get try to have it not so much of the time so this way you can keep creating your work and not let that money factor affect you so much if you have to live more poorly and not live in a fancy place and not eat delicious foods every day that's the effort that you have to do because that's the sacrifice of being an artist i think that it's very difficult to be an artist and be successful and the most important thing also is that success is something that you put to yourself you will know what is success what success means for me being successful it means to be able to make work and live from it and live from it can mean to live in a very small house and not like you know like not fancy not go to for a restaurant in like three months or something but then but I'm, I'm successful I'm making my art and I'm doing you know what I do and then you know like that's how things happen by making your work working hard also the other thing is that things don't happen magically always sometimes they do they do like l luck is a big factor in becoming successful or not but uh, you have to make things happen as well so try to be social go out meet people be generous with everybody be like to be friendly I always think that as an artist when you meet new artists and you admire their work let people know that you admire their work like no, don't be like jealous or envious or you know like I think that those things are really helpful for me at least to keep like always a positive attitude with people and or if you feel envious with someone like look at those things as a positive thing like you want to be like that person like well so copy those things that the other person is doing as a good thing and yeah so to make things happen yourself if you want to show your work and you are, don't have a place to show well go to a restaurant and ask if you can put your work there you know you have to do something like do anything uh that's what i did like a lot. I showed in restaurants. I went to galleries in the old fashioned way with a portfolio saying like, hey, do you want to look at my work? You want to look at my work? I don't know, 20 galleries and one of them went to my studio and they didn't show my work. But I, at least I did it, you know? So there is so many things you can do and I have to, you have to try it. Don't let the internet get too much into your head. Like don't think that showing in Instagram your work is going to make it happen. Just go out and look at people in their eyes, even though now it's kind of hard with COVID, but I think that's important. That's so interesting because I was talking to one of my artist friends and I was asking around to see if there was one thing as an artist that you could get, but you couldn't get it yourself, what would it be? And she said, gallery representation, press, you know, things like that. And it's interesting advice that you say to go out and actually bring a portfolio, introduce yourself to the galleries. Yeah. Because I think... A lot of us do rely a lot on Instagram and, you know, you think somebody's just going to come by and be like, oh my God, your work is great. Let me represent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, 
one simple thing. If you like a gallery and you would like that gallery to see your work, I think at least what you should do is research the gallery, make sure you know the artist, see if you really like the artists that are there, and then go to all the openings to see their work in person, say hi to the galleries, and, you know, get to know them a little bit because who knows, maybe they're not so great, first of all. Like, that's something that we have as, as artists is that we're always like, oh, the gallery is so awesome. And not all the galleries are awesome. My gallery is awesome. Like, it is, I'm lucky but not all of them are like some galleries don't pay you in time they pay you way later they don't talk to you you want to reach out to them and they ignore you for months they give you shows every I don't know how long years so you know it's not so like perfect so I think it's always good to go and get familiar with these spaces in person because also they take 50% of yourself so you need to know to who are you giving the half of your money or the half of your work it needs to be someone that is making the work happen and that is going to help you to succeed in your career I think that's uh, important. And I know a, a few artists that uh, make their work happen by themselves. To name one, there's one art, female artist. Her name is Ashley Longshort, I think is her last name. She has a, a very good podcast episode in John Dalton's called Gently, Gently Does It. Um, you should like, the listener should listen to her. Uh, she makes her work, like she has a very particular body of work anyways, but still she makes it happen for herself. And I know other artists that do that too, so each of us have to find a good fit. For me, the gallery works perfectly because I want to focus on making my paintings and not in selling my work. So I know in my in my gallery is like amazing. It's a female owner. She's an Serena gallery and uh, she's like the best. Marie, the gallery director also, is like we're like a family. So it's, it's working great, but um, not everyone is like that. Yeah, that's so good to hear. Um, I definitely know myself what galleries can be like. That's mostly what has motivated us to start this project because mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities to show people's work and create a space for yourselves. You know, we don't necessarily have to rely on galleries anymore. Like you yeah. said, you got to just get out there and, and do whatever you can. So exactly yes there's a lot of art fairs also that you can apply your work and then sell your work through there so there's a lot of different ways to do it and you can start small like first like maybe you can make a lot of paintings and rent a space for one night and have you know friends and family like show up or something like that i mean there's always ways to to do it or if you don't have money to rent a space you can ask someone to give you this space or you know have a party in your own apartment and invite people over so there's always ways to do it Yep, you just got to be creative about it. Exactly, yeah. One more question. One of our community members asked, where do you uh -huh. get your sense of color? My sense of color? Like my palette? Or or I don't get it. I'm I, sorry. I, mean, I think you meant just how you have such a good sense of how the colors go together and, and your palette. Okay, I see, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting question because actually I feel like you ask me like what is the thing that you're best at like what is like my superpower let's say I always say that it's like mixing colors I, I'm very good at like if I see one color I can mix the color very fast like with a few other colors and well I think one thing is genetically another thing is also training a lot my mother is colorblind my brother is colorblind also colorblind people that comes in the chromosome X if you have two X chromosomes like a female I mean then two of them are with the with the colorblind you are colorblind 
time. But in my case, I have my moms and my dad. So it happens a lot when you're a daughter, a woman with colorblind, is that sometimes you have an extra, like the cone that they're missing, you have like an extra cone and you can see more colors, which I don't know if is the case, but I've done a test and it seems that I do have that. So maybe that is one thing, uh, which I don't think it really matters because not that many people can see that, but I have that anyways. But I think also is the fact that I am um, training. I paint since very young, since I started painting, my paintings have always been multiple colors. I never painted with like a very uh, limited palette. I add every kind of color that I can and they're very colorful paintings as well. So I think that just mixing and mixing that I love doing that. I feel like I'm in the kitchen mixing, you know, mixing colors. But yeah, and also well, observing a lot. I paint a lot from observation. When I take photo references, I take a bunch of photo references from close, from far. I do videos. So I think that also helps to paint, to look at the things in a different way. And I think also that um, when I paint, I paint from my computer or my iPad. So I have the image has light itself instead of like a picture that is printed. So that also uh, gives me that space for me to interpret the color more than if I had the photo, because the photo is like, you know, just that ink that is kind of like more dead than the computer, you know. So uh, maybe that also has something to do with it. Yeah, definitely. I think having really saturated references can help. Yeah. Computer definitely makes things more vibrant. So yeah, that's so interesting about the extra chromosome. I've, I've never heard that before, but I have heard of te- the, ex- the extra cone. Yeah, the extra cone. Isn't that called tetrachromia? Or something? Yeah, tetrachromia. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There is not that many female um, with uh, color blindness because you have to have your mom and your dad having it. Your mom has to have at least be the carrier and your dad has to be colorblind. So it's kind of like a very odd coincidence. Yeah, in my case, my brother is colorblind and my son now has 50% chance to be colorblind. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I have one X chromosome with colorblind and the other one without it. So we'll see later in his life if he is or not. Yeah, maybe he'll become a painter. and he'll Yeah, that would be awesome to see how he will choose the reds and the greens. My brother doesn't see that well. Like he doesn't make a difference too much of red and greens. So it's very interesting to see them also see my paintings and they love them and they're like the same. It's like just the same than other person, I guess. But it's interesting to like, I don't know how they would see it actually. Right. They wouldn't really know a difference. You know? Yeah. I don't want to keep you too much longer. So. Oh, no, but, but great. Thank you so much for inviting me, first of all, and for making me part of this um, awesome online show. Yeah, Can't wait to see you. everybody's else work. Thank you. Hopefully you'll come back again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be in touch. I mean, I'm here. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to look at the works featured in this episode on theartistconfluence.com. Stay tuned for more episodes in this series featuring Latinx artists in the coming weeks. If you like this episode, please share it with friends and review us on Apple Podcasts. Music is performed by Fernando Troche, and the name of the song is Torre Bermeja by Isaac Elbenis.